This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 22, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The Great Recession ended more than five years ago, yet the U.S. economy remains sluggish and growth is well below the long-term historical trend. Edward Glazer is a professor of economics at Harvard University. He spoke at the Cato Institute conference, The Future of Economic Growth. He argues too little attention is paid to land use regulation and its impact on economic growth in the United States. So I really focused on a couple of things, uh, the first of which was exactly this point about land use regulations. And, and this, of course, is my personal hobby, hobby and has been for about 10 years, because I believe America has had a redefinition, a revolution in property rights over the last 50 years that has, by and large, gone unremarked, unstudied, that to a first-order approximation in the 1960s, if you wanted to build a project in coastal California, you would just go ahead and go ahead and build it. And if somebody needed to get bribed for that to happen, you would bribe them, and it would, it would move forward, and it would all be swell and good. <laughs> okay. Today, of course, to a first-order approximation, every resident <clears throat> of Berkeley gets to turn down any project, gets a personal veto on not only every project in Berkeley, but really every project in the Bay Area, right? So, so we've moved to a completely different regime about how much growth we can have. Now, this may seem like the sort of picayune thing that only someone who's obsessed with local government can care about, but it really, really matters because the ability to build is the ability of the nation to respond to differences in productivity across space. And make no mistake, America is a country with vast differences in productivity across space. GM, gross domestic product per capita in, I won't even take the extremes of McAllen and Brownsville, which are about $23,000 per capita, but in, let's say, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, <clears> right, <throat> a place that I actually drive through with some degree of regularity, it's, it's in the low 30s in terms of current dollars. Current GDP per capita in the San Jose metropolitan area, about $110,000 per capita. In Boston, it's in the low 80s, right? This is BEA, BEA data. I'm not correcting for anything, and there are issues, there are issues with what you, can, what you can do on this. But by any reasonable measure, America has huge differences in productivity. Now, historically, we responded to that by moving vast amounts of people, as Brad just suggested, moving vast amounts of people to areas that were more productive. Think of the millions of people who came to New York in the late 19th century. Think of the millions who came to Chicago, who came to places that had just an enormous advantage at manufacturing, at trade, at turning human capital into into gold, if you will. Um, In the 21st century, that doesn't happen because, in fact, the right population of San Jose, of Silicon Valley, which probably from a purely economic point of view, even internalizing whatever externalities, is probably 10 times the size that it it currently is. But they're not there because Santa Clara County has some areas that have 60-acre minimum lot sizes. 60-acre minimum lot sizes, right? That they've essentially said no to growth. This is an area in which there is no conflict between the libertarian and the progressive. Right. Because, in fact, the regulations that bind building are ones that not only make the economy less productive, that not only restrict a a homeowner's freedom of what to do with their own property, but they also make housing more expensive for poorer Americans. So it's an area in which there's clearly commonality. I will just say one other area in which um, I'm not going to say anything about about building political coalitions on this. I'm happy to talk about the politics later. It's, it's very hard outside of, large, uh, outside of large cities, but I always thought hopelessness was actually an attractive thing in a public policy proposal rather than as something to uh, make dead on, dead on arrival. Um, 
on the more pragmatic sense, uh, I've been working on, on something actually with the city of Boston on an entrepreneurship district in a higher poverty area. And the idea of this type of entrepreneurship district is, is that there are a bunch of areas in which we don't know what works. So, for example, vocational training was brought up early. Vocational training is a great idea. It would be great to have more skills delivered, particularly to lower-income American kids. Coding, working as an auto mechanic, being a carpenter, all of these are great things to learn. Uh, so you'd think, you know, vocational training, great. The biggest educational disaster in the Boston metropolitan area right now is our vocational training magnet school, right? It is an unmitigated disaster. It's at 30% of capacity. Its test scores are absolutely abysmal. Um, we've got to figure out a better way of doing this. And it's not possible to just say, well, the Germans know how to do it so we can copy them. That's not going to work in every area of the U.S. automatically. Um, we need to actually experiment. We need almost assuredly competitively provided program and evaluated with randomized control trials. We need to try a whole bunch of different things. And that's the idea of an entrepreneurship district, is you start with a spatially defined area so that you're not trying to do everything everywhere at once, and you try things, and then the things that work scale up. This is completely different than an idea what, you know, that we actually have, empowerment zones, which are actually bribing people to locate in higher poverty areas. I've long been deeply critical of, of this policy, right, that we should be about helping poor people, not poor places. But it's a totally different thing to say, in areas where you're not sure what works, Let's try something first. Now, I'll say you know, just one other thing that we're, we're almost assuredly going to have in this, which is something actually I do feel pretty confident that works, but I just need the evidence mm -hmm. to make the case at the state level politically, and that's one-stop permitting. Regardless yes. of how many permits, how many regulations you think there should be, and I certainly think at the state and local level there should be less, and I certainly believe very strongly that we should be assiduously applying cost-benefit analysis to any <clears> regulations <throat> that are put in place. But regardless of what you think about it, almost assuredly, a new entrepreneur who wants to get started should be able to go to one place to get his permits, right? This is something that the Devons Enterprise Commission has been doing for the last decade. New York has been trying to move towards it with their uh, new business acceleration team. Um, there's no reason not to, not to do this, not to speed up the permitting process. The easy political wedge for getting this forward is in a higher poverty area. We can sell this in a way that's much easier than a, than a, than a rich area. And if we can make the case that it works there and it's manageable, we can scale it up for the entire city. So it's, it's the entrepreneurship district as a learning machine to try and figure out how to solve some pretty intractable problems. Edward Glazer is a professor of economics at Harvard University. He spoke at the Cato Conference, The Future of Economic Growth. You can watch the full event at cato.org.